Welcome. You've tuned in to Living the Miracle with hosts Michael and Raphael Tamura. You were meant to live a joy-filled life, and you most certainly can. In this program, you will learn simple yet powerful psychic tools to help you fulfill your soul's purpose in this world. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Tamura and Raphael Tamura. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. I am Raphael. And I'm Michael. The purpose for our show is to awaken souls, develop intuition, and fulfill purpose. Today, we have a fun and enlightening show for you. We've titled it, The Laughing Buddha, The Miracle of Sharing Your Joy of Laughter. As most of you know, for our 18th season of this show, we've been exploring the overall theme of the miracle of sharing your joy. We're devoting each episode this season to the variety of miracles that can come about from sharing your joy in some way. We've also addressed the various avenues of expression by which you might share your joy, such as through the spirit of singing and dancing or through silence and peace. For this episode, we'll call on the joyous spirit of the Chinese monk who has been venerated throughout China, Vietnam, Korea, and Japan for over a thousand years. And before I say the next sentence, um, I'm going to be speaking some Chinese words, and I'm not so good at it, so bear with me here. Although little has been written about an Buddhist monk known as known in China as Putai, and lived in the 10th century, his fame spread with an Buddhism from China to Vietnam and Korea, and then to Japan, where an was called. Zen Buddhism. The monk's birth name was said to have been Jitsu, and he lived in China in the province now called Cheking. It is said that people in the area respected him since he could predict people's fortunes as well as the weather, the sign of a very advanced uh, initiate. Apparently, if he went to sleep on a bridge or a street, they could expect good weather. Whereas, if he was seen wearing sandals and looking for shelter, they could count on rain. Of course, it was also known by the people that he could sleep anywhere in any weather because bitter cold, snow, rain, or scorching sun had no ill effect on his body. The name Putai comes from the way he lived his life wandering through town with a beggar's hemp sack on his back. The Japanese have known him as hota, which means hemp or cloth sack as well. Although much of what is known about this extraordinary monk is antidotal, there are countless stories associated with him, many of them miraculous. They depict him as a wonder-working eccentric, and in Chinese monasteries he is represented as the laughing Buddha, and considered the very embodiment of the ideal on Buddhism. Putai's actions and the way he lived epitomized the Zen mind. I first learned of this monk as Hote, Hota, Hote, 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 thank you, that's Japanese, right? Yeah. 
Yes, I first learned of this monk, monk is Hote when years ago, Yoko, who was Michael's childhood, live-in nanny and all around domestic help for his whole family, came from his home, from her home in Japan to visit Michael and his parents, who at the time lived in Sacramento. So this was after Michael grew up. This was not long after Michael and I bought our first house together and she carted all the way from Japan a two-foot-high carved wooden statue of Hote, the Laughing Buddha, that continues to grace our current home. The wooden depiction of the monk as the big-bellied laughing man carrying a large sack on his back took me by surprise for his uncanny resemblance to Michael's and my teacher's laughing face, our spiritual teacher, and also the body architecture. I've seen many of his students over the years rub his belly and claim it brought them good luck while they laughed with him, even about serious personal challenges in their lives. In the book of Proverbs, in the book of Proverbs, in the Old Testament, there is a wise saying, a merry heart doth Good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. It's important to note that a broken spirit or disconnecting from your inner spirit is what brings about unwellness, whereas happiness heals like good medicine. In the 1300s, the noted French medieval surgeon and professor Henri de Mondeville promoted humor as a post-operative therapy to aid in patient's recovery and humor. And healing, (laughs) humor too. Maybe back then people weren't so in humor. The 20th century American political journalist, author, professor, and world peace advocate, Norman Cousins, when suddenly confronted with the diagnosis and crippling pain of collagen disease and the medical prognosis that the disease had a 1 in 500 odds of recovery, took upon himself to create his own treatment of massive intravenous doses of vitamin C and self-induced bouts of laughter by watching films of the TV show Candid Camera and other comedies. He reported, I made the joyous discovery that 10 minutes of genuine belly laughter had an anesthetic effect and would give me at least two hours of pain-free sleep. When the pain-killing effect of the laughter wore off, We would switch on the motion picture projector again, and not infrequently, it would lead to another pain-free interval. From his struggles from his illness and developing his personal laughter therapy, he wrote his landmark book, Anatomy of an Illness as Perceived by the Patient, published in 1979. And just in case you want to know what uh, collagen illness is, I actually looked it up. It's an autoimmune disease like rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, or sclerosis, or scleroderma. I know how to say these words. It has to do with defects in the uh, connective tissue, and the actual diagnosis was ankylosing spondylitis, which I've heard of, a rare disease that they say has no cure, and yet he was able to cure himself. In 1995, Dr. Madden... Kateria, a medical doctor in Mumbai, India, amazed at the number of studies that shows the efficacy of laughter in improving physiological and psychological states in patients, gathered a group of 
five people in a public park to practice laughter together. Though various trials, through various trials and errors in inducing genuine laughter in the group without the use of jokes and other props, he developed what is now known worldwide as laughter yoga. An article in Psychiatric Times reported that numerous studies have demonstrated that, quote, laughing during a humorous film elevates the pain threshold and can help break the cycle between pain, sleep, loss, depression, and immunosuppression, unquote. The article goes on to point out that laughter is known to reduce blood pressure, epinephrine, and blood glucose levels, along with increasing glucose tolerance. It further reported that laughter has shown to benefit both cancer recovery and prevention, and that the use of humor, as hard as this may sound, in the period following a death of a spouse greatly assisted in promoting greater emotional resiliency. So, what's there not to like about sharing your joy or laughter with the world? Unlike many potent medications, there are still no known negative side effects of laughing more and no contraindications for its use. Best of all, it's not a crime to laugh. At least not yet. (laughs) Of course, many of you may have encountered some people in the world that frowned upon you laughing or you're laughing at the wrong time or place. Just know that not everyone is willing or ready to share in your joy of laughing, laughing quite like some medicines are too potent for certain patients and have to be administered at very low doses. Yeah, I, I like that, laughing. <laughs> <laughs> we, could, we could laugh long. <laughs> well, I remember a chiropractor who discovered that playing one of my seminar CDs in the background helped facilitate uh, her treatments and her patient's healing process, especially because I laughed a lot while I taught, as well as the energy level at which I taught. Well, she then told me that there was one exception to that when she played the first part of the CD for a parent of hers, (laughs) one of her own parents, parents, who told her in no uncertain terms that she did not like the CD or the teacher one bit. (laughs) So taken aback and curious to find out what exactly made her mother dislike the seminar and the teacher so immediately, she asked her mother why she felt that way. Her mother simply told her that, quote, He laughed way too much, (laughs) end quote. (laughs) Oh, that was, uh, we we both, uh, the the chiropractor and I both had a really good laugh about that one because, yeah, she was in a lot of pain. And just as Raphael mentioned, there are some people who do not care for laughter. But why would that be? Well, precisely because laughter is so profoundly healing that those who are not quite ready to deal with the painful energies and experiences that they need to release to begin their deeper healing process instinctively sense that laughing would bring about all of that pain they buried in their mind in the past up to the present, and they'd have to somehow let it go, deal with it. Genuine laughter tends to bring up into the forefront of one's consciousness 
past painful experiences that they associated with the loss of their joy of life. Well, before they can start to be open to much laughter, they need to learn how that level of healing works. Going back to what Raphael introduced about Putai, the the monk, I heard many similar stories growing up in Japan about the same monk, but he was called Hotte in uh, and known as a bodhisattva uh, and uh, the laughing Buddha. What may not have been recorded in history or folklore about him is why he chose to name himself after the word for hemsack associated with beggars of the time. If you consider that he was a bodhisattva, it would be apparent that he chose everything with great wisdom and humor in order to demonstrate or teach and guide others along the path. He's said to have answered people's curiosities and questions with lighthearted and unorthodox replies. For example, when people questioned him about his age, he would simply reply, as old as space. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. I could hear him saying that. True meaning of space is inner space of awareness. And as that's limitless and eternal, he was educating people that he and they as well are ageless as timeless beingness that aren't ever born and never die. Not really. So it's easy to see that in naming himself a beggar's sack, he's saying in a tongue-in-cheek way that His mind is empty of judgments or identification with anything except that which is limitless and eternal and unchanging. Also, whatever someone else might consider himself to be or not be, he has no objections or concerns because those would merely be others' perceptions of who he is. Just as whatever others give to a beggar with which he fills his sack He gladly receives without him mistakenly identifying himself with the contents. Finally, when one attains this empty state of mind, abundance and contentment will fill his beggar's sack. Some Chan Buddhists believe Puttai would return in the future as the Maitreya Buddha, based on what the monk Shidayon wrote, quote, In the third month of the third year of Chengming, the master proclaimed his approaching Parinirvana. In the Yulin temple, he took up his seat, cross-legged, on a flat stone on the eastern veranda and spoke the following verse. Maitreya, the veritable Maitreya, divides its body into 10,000 million parts. From time to time, appearing among men, he proclaims the truth to the men of that era, but they naturally do not recognize him. The document states that he peacefully passed away upon completing the verse. Yet since then, there have been testimonies by many people about seeing him in his robe with a sack on his back, walking in the neighborhood. I've always enjoyed laughing, but it was one day in the 1970s when I was in my special once-a-month meditation and prayer to ask God what I needed to learn next. Every month, 
I received a very clear lesson plan, so to speak. On that particular day, however, I clearly got that my next lesson was in increasing my amusement in everyday living. I was happy to tackle that lesson since I already had quite a bit of amusement in living my life. So this would be fun. So every morning for the next month, I would meditate on amusement, keep it in my inner sight all day long as a reminder to stay amused no matter the circumstances in my life. Of course, some days I succeeded more, while on other days I didn't do so well. Yet at the end of the month, I felt overall I did quite well in learning that lesson. So I was quite surprised when in my next meditation prayer to receive my new lesson, the reply was simply, you need more amusement. (laughs) Okay, no problem. This is fun. And I continued my practice of finding amusement regardless of what I experienced in my life or in the world. Much to my surprise and somewhat of concern was that saying The same lesson came up in the subsequent 10 months after that as well, a total of 12 months straight of me needing to be more amused. Believe it or not, I have to interrupt Michael's story because we're coming upon our first break, and this is the time we make our announcements. Make sure to check out our website at michaeltamura, T-A-M as in Mary, U-R-A, michaeltamura.com. For all our upcoming events, in fact, we have our next teleclass in our popular ongoing series, You Might Be More Psychic Than You Think, coming up Saturday, July 3rd from 10 a.m. to noon Pacific time. This one will help you feel better, have more clarity, and express your creativity. Your chakras and your creative expression energy work for tuning up your chakras. Join us join us and learn how to live more of the miracle when we return in just a bit we'll continue with the laughing buddha the miracle of sharing your joy of laughter we'll be right back Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. If you love living the miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora, you'll love their teleclasses, seminars, and retreats. Check out their upcoming events at michaeltamora.com forward slash events. The best book ever. Transformational. Incredible information. One of the best books I've ever read. Inspirational. A must-read for anyone interested in accomplishing their purpose. That's what readers around the world are saying about You Are the Answer. The award-winning book by Michael J. Tomorrow, beloved spiritual teacher and clairvoyant visionary. Order your copy now at Amazon.com. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. Find out more about everything that they offer at michaeltamura.com. And be sure to sign up for their free monthly newsletter. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. 
Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. Welcome back, everyone. We've been enjoying the Laughing Buddha and what kinds of miracles you can create by sharing your joy of laughter in your life. So let's get right back to it. Yes. You know, we could have just laughed here for a, an hour. <laughs> oh, but I'll talk about that. You know, but first, before the break, I was telling my story about the year of laughing, the year of learning to be amused more in everyday life, regardless of the circumstances. You know, it's it's easy to laugh when something's really funny. It's easy to laugh when your you know life is going well and you're you're happy. It's everything's you know coming up roses, the kind of a thing. But life isn't like that for the vast majority of us. <laughs> so like ninety nine point nine nine percent. And so every day there's good days and bad days. And there's days, even on a good day, there's times where you get bad news or something happens and you got to deal with it and, and all kinds of little annoying things that happen in, in a course of a, every day. So then my practice was being able to laugh, being able to be an amusement, see the humor in whatever the situation was. And so I practice all kinds of ways of just, okay, this is not a laughing matter, you know, and that's the stuff that where I had to really bring up my amusement and go, okay, this is not a laughing matter. And, and At least not an LOL laugh out loud matter. Right? Yeah, it's, and it's, but I have to find amusement. I, I have to, I can't be, you know, reacting in some dramatic upset level because that wouldn't do any good. It would make matters worse. And it, it certainly didn't help solve the problem or deal with the situation. So I practiced every day. And um, the interesting thing was when I prayed the, my special once a month prayer at the beginning, first day of the month, each month, I, I meditate and I pray and I asked for, what's, what's the main lesson for me that I need to learn this month? And for the years following up to this, this situation, um, every month I got a new lesson. So that was what I was used to, is each month, oh, brand new lesson. It's in, and always unexpected. It just pops up and goes, okay, so I do it. But when it got to this thing about being an amusement, it came up the first month, and then I thought I completed it, and I next month I'm seeking, okay, what's my next lesson? More amusement. Okay, next month, what's my next lesson? More amusement. Well, you know, after, a <laughs> and, and this has never happened with any other lesson until that point. So I'm going by the fourth or fifth month in a row, I'm thinking, you know, am I stuck like a broken record? You know, I'm just not really getting the communication from God. And yet every time that question came up to my mind, I was always shown that, nope, more amusement was exactly the prescription for me. Then I realized that my tests in daily life to stay amused 
or become amused in the first place got more and more challenging during this whole period of time for the whole year. It turns out, you know, 12 months straight, I had this, what I called the same lesson, but in retrospect, it was, it was amusement. Part one, amusement. Part two, like, <laughs> amusement. Peeling, like peeling the layers off of where you yeah. were not amused. And and it was like you know taking English for those of us in America, going to American schools. Uh, ah, you have to take English every year all the way until you graduate. And if you go to college, say they there's freshman English all over again. And and if you're studying something that requires even further uh, education in, in the la- English language and the use of it, well, you got advanced graduate courses. So it's it amused. I realized that was what it was for me. It wasn't like I was failing every month and I had to retake the class. Now I had to step up to the next level and the next level and the next level. And finally, um, what I have since called my final exam in these lessons on being more amused came in the form of me being <laughs> standing <laughs> between two gun-toting bank robbers at the local branch of the Bank of America where, where uh, I did all my banking, both personal and I was in charge of multiple accounts for a nonprofit organization that I directed at the time. And uh, so I was there pretty much every day, at least once a day. And um, so then I'm between these two gun-toting bank robbers threatening to shoot anyone who moved (laughs) or said anything. Uh, And I'm in the middle of them. And the details of the story I wrote about in my book, You Are the Answer, so I won't take up the time to tell it again today. It's a good story. It's a good story. (laughs) 100% 100% true. And uh, suffice it to say, in this event, inner laughter not only saved my life, but it also helped me assist the FBI in nailing both bank robbers right afterwards. <laughs> I was even offered a job to be on the FBI team by the special agent in charge of that investigation. He was so impressed. After they thought he was the one orchestrating yeah. it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Since I was in the middle of every bank surveillance video footage, <laughs> wearing a, you know, a bright blue Hawaiian shirt uh, and smiling, uh, <laughs> when everyone else, except for the bank uh, assistant, one of the bank assistant managers that they had uh, under the gun and, and you know, uh, threatening to blow his head off to until he opened the safe and all that stuff. I was the only other person besides the bank robbers and, and their host, main hostage uh, standing in the middle of the bank. And there were 60-something, 60 68, almost 70 people lying on the floor face down, spread eagle <laughs> under the other guy's gun. Uh, so anyway... Uh, that was that was quite an experience, and I was able to ha- maintain and have this tremendous amusement inside uh, that I'm just watching, being a witness to the whole thing. I was told right at the beginning, don't try to be a hero or do anything stupid because this was not your problem. It was such not a your co- karma. Yeah, it's not my karma to deal with. And so I became the number one witness to every detail of what happened during the entire uh, event. So anyway, 
after I wrote my first book, I was teaching a weekend seminar on the uh, importance of amusement and laughter in the soul's growth and awakening in Los Angeles. One of those who attended the seminar became not only a good friend of ours, but also founded an extraordinary nonprofit organization called Hey Ugly. And the acronym UGLY stood for Unique, Gifted, Lovely You. Yeah, it's, it's the heal, all that invalidation that kids go through of being, yay, you ugly, you know, that kind of stuff, bullying. And so this organization has been dedicated to the prevention, healing, and empowerment of education around bullying and the children, teens, and young adults who had been victims of bullying. Well, while she attended that particular seminar on amusement and laughter, she came up with this brilliant idea uh, quite a bit before Laughter Yoga was founded to produce a laughter healing CD and process that she called Laughter Size in, uh, in the vein of exercise, jazzercise, that kind of stuff. And she decided she needed a female laughing voice and a male laughing voice for the entire hour of the CD. So she hired a male voice actor and she did the female part herself. They locked themselves in the recording studio until they were able to record an hour track of nothing but their incessant laughing. Mm. And she said, both of them, she didn't even realize how difficult of a challenge that was going to be in the voice actor, a professional actor, you know, especially on voice, voiceovers and stuff like that. He couldn't believe it. He just said, and, and uh, you're going to loop, like, how, how long are we going to laugh? Five minutes and, and loop it to make an hour CD? She says, no, we have to do it nonstop for an hour straight. And he just, he laughed, he laughed at that one. <laughs> but that laughter only lasted like, you know, 20 seconds when he realized she was serious. <laughs> and she goes, he goes, how do you expect us to laugh for, you know, uh, an hour straight with, with, without some kind of a, somebody telling us jokes or watching a funny show or something? And she says, well, that's what we're going to find out. And she said it was incredibly difficult to just keep laughing and keep laughing. But once they got into it and they start, they committed themselves, they're not going to leave the studio until they record that hour of laughter. And, uh, and they, they agreed they're not going to talk. They're just going to laugh because that's what she wanted the CD to provide for everybody else to be able to just turn on the CD and start laughing with them laughing on the CD. So, and those of you who don't know what a CD is. <laughs> don't worry, there's downloads. Yes, don't worry. Now it's, it's a MP3 downloadable audio that, that uh, you can get from their website, uh, heyugly.com. And by clicking on laugher sizing, and the, the audio, the one-hour audio recording is called Laugh It Off. <laughs> that's a great title, too, isn't it? Because that's what amusement is. Laughing it off, not in the sense of, you know, not caring or anything, but for, with humor. Just seeing the humor of it and being able to have that natural inner joy and share it. 
So that's definitely one huge way that our friend and co-founder of Hey Ugly shares her joy of laughter and has created many miracles in young people's lives. So how else can you share your joy of laughter in this world and what miracles can come about from that? Well, one of the things is to realize that laughter changes the vibration. Laughter is a very high vibration. And I'm not talking about sardonic laughter, mean laughter, you know, laughing at someone. But, <laughs> but, the, really, but the very thing that Michael was talking about, that laughter that really fully embraces and includes joy and humor in it. So, you know, I love the story about the man who healed himself, uh, Norman Cousins, with the, the comedy. And I can't say how many times I've recommended people who uh, have come to me with illnesses such as cancer that, you know, they should look at, at this. You know, of course, they're going to do their treatments and so on according to their path. But finding a way to laugh, even in the middle of a, a crisis, is a way to change the vibration out of that sense of going downhill and that sense of going downhill is changing the vibration that goes too low for healing joy and humor is a high vibration and if you can get yourself there um, you're on your way to healing regardless of let's say the physical outcome usually in a very positive way no matter what happens so an example of that is I've talked about this on radio shows before, but I think this is another uh, show to bring this up in. And that is when Michael had his most serious heart event and I got called after he arrived at the ER because he had been at the uh, gym and they took him by ambulance from the gym two miles away to the hospital. And then they called me and they lied to me and says, yeah, he passed out at the gym. Come on and get him, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and, of course, I'm psychic, and I know I knew that that was not true. Um, and I think the reason why they do that is because they don't want you getting in a car accident on the way there. But I would have preferred the truth myself. Anyway, <clears throat> so I wasn't too amused when I walked in. But when I went into the ER section where Michael was, he was – unconscious and he had about a gazillion wires coming out of him he looked very dead uh, well very close to it very yellow looking and so on and the the pall of energy it was it was like a funeral walking into that er room and i ran around in circles for a few minutes just going to each nurse saying please my husband is a very happy amused person Please, would you not be so serious? <laughs> um, well, that didn't go over very well. So I'm standing there next to him, and they we, they were actually waiting for the men to come take him because they were going to helivac him over to Reading, which is an hour and a half drive. Uh, I don't know, about a 20-minute flight from Mount Shasta over to Reading. And um, I'm standing there and I'm thinking I have to bring the energy up. So, you know, I did my little energy work in the ER, but the big thing was I wanted to find amusement. And who knows why I was able to think about that in the middle of such a crisis. But I've been with this man for so many years. It's part of my practice. And I'll talk a little bit about my background in this 
uh, in a bit, but, you know, I'm a much more serious person than Michael <laughs> is. But this was something that I felt was really important. So I'm standing there, and the the doors on the uh, side of the emergent or the ER room, I don't know what they call it, the room where they had Michael open. It was like these two big double doors, and they slammed open, and in walked these six uniformed, very handsome <laughs> young men coming to get Michael to put him <laughs> to put him on the helicopter to take him over. And uh, the only thing I could think of when I saw them was, forget him, forget the man on the gurney there that's dying. I'm going to follow these guys. And I got a good chuckle out of that, of course. And the first thing I asked them was, uh, hey, can I come on the on the helicopter with you guys? It would be so much better than me having to drive. And they said, no. <laughs> so I had to be amused about that, too. And I ended up driving over the mountain uh, and meeting them over in the hospital there. But I think that set a really good energy for Michael to heal because mm-hmm. this was his most, quote, unquote, serious incident. And... Um, Bits and pieces of that story have been told over the uh, time of the radio show. So if you listen to our other shows, you'll hear some of those. Anyway, we're coming upon our second break, so please take a moment to mark your calendars. On Saturday, July 30th and Sunday, July 31st, we're offering an extraordinary four teleclass plus a bonus Zoom Q&A weekend in place of our annual get-together in person on the big island of Hawaii. We're still being very careful about larger indoor group gatherings with regards to the continuing pandemic, and it is continuing because a lot of people we know have COVID right now. Nonetheless, we'll bring you to the spirit of aloha via these four teleclasses, and for all who attend, at least one of the four teleclasses will add our special bonus gift, dolphin meditation, and post-class Q&A talk story and social by Zoom. And we will have a title for that weekend very soon. We'll soon post the details of this illuminating and transformative remote weekend mini retreat on our website, newsletter, and social sites. Please watch for it. We'll return in a couple of minutes with The Laughing Buddha, The Miracle of Sharing Your Joy of Laughter. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. Find out more about everything that they offer at MichaelTamura.com. And be sure to sign up for their free monthly newsletter. The best book ever. Transformational. Incredible information. One of the best books I've ever read. Inspirational. A must read for anyone interested in accomplishing their purpose. That's what readers around the world are saying about You Are the Answer. The award winning book by Michael J. Tomorrow, beloved spiritual teacher and clairvoyant visionary. Order your copy now at Amazon.com. If you love Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora, you'll love their teleclasses, seminars, and retreats. 
Check out their upcoming events at michaeltamora.com forward slash events. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. Wonderful to have you back. Today we're exploring what it is to share your joy of laughter the various ways you might do that, and what miracles can come about when you do, like miracles of healing. So let's see how else you can bring in more laughter in your life and miracles into the world. Yes, laughter laughter is a hot topic for a lot of people because for some people, laughter is pain. And what do I mean by that? Well, I promised I'd talk a little bit about my own background Having been raised in a family of uh, gifted intellectuals, one of the qualities of energy that tends to be around intellectuals is taking everything very seriously. And for me, during that time, taking things seriously, I interpreted as respecting. So, you know, you didn't laugh at things and you didn't, uh, you know, take things over a, a tip of humor. There could be some humor. Some of it was somber. Um, I think the ironic humor was a little bit more in in the area of w- how I grew up. You know, people would see the reversals in life and we would make fun of it kind of thing. So laughter is pain. It, it comes as sarcasm, as an insult. And, you know, one of the places that I see this expressed a lot of times is in some the way some comedians bring about their laughter. Um, Now, there are many very gifted comedians out there, and each one of them tends to tune into the crowd and give to them what the crowd seems like they need. But in my few experiences of going to go to live comedians, there was always an, an element of picking on people and making fun of. And when you're when you have grown up being made fun of or bullied, as Michael talked about earlier, being laughed at for what kind of little uh, thing you wear on your coat, you know, as a decoration, it will always come across more as pain or as an insult rather than as something to laugh at, even if other people are laughing. So how how do we shift that? Well, I have noticed there's a lot of comedians that post out there on Instagram and so on, and some of them do a really good job of just being funny and bringing joy and, and uh, let's say, that sense of irony to a higher level where it's not perceived as judgment. It's just laughter about how silly things can be in life. And so that's one of the things um, I wanted to bring up is not all, not all comedians are in that right vibration. And those that are developing themselves, the ones that get to the real top tend to be much more in the area of being able to get people to laugh in that joy and humor. Also, one of the other things I notice is that uh, sometimes 
ch- children have the purest laughter of all. Mm. They laugh completely unfettered. They laugh about even, you know, the things we wouldn't dare laughing about. And, and it's usually out of ignorance because they haven't been taught. You shouldn't laugh about that. And so sometimes that purity in children's laughter, for instance, when it's around an older person who's in a lot of pain, you know, remember, laughter heals. It will bring out the pain. And sometimes there are elders who will actually ask to have the children kept away from them because their laughter actually causes them pain. But the fact of the matter is the laughter is bringing the pain out and healing them. So that's for those of you that are our older listeners, listen up. Hmm. Let those children heal you. Um, I remember we had a friend who was talking about, uh, a Native American friend who was talking about one of his elders in his tribe who spent the last part of his elder life um, during the daytime in their yard, and he just absolutely loved watching kittens. Mm-hmm. Kittens following butterflies, kittens falling over, kittens doing silly antics, and that kept him living to a very, very old age. And you know that something else. Yeah, it's so important. And I was just thinking about a lot of times people who care about you are when and and you're going through a difficult time. For example, I've you know been through several uh, near-death experiences. <laughs> as, as you have long heard. <laughs> and, and for most people, that's no, dying is, or even coming close to dying, is not a laughing matter. Yes, it's, it's, the matter is not a laughing matter, but healing from that serious situation is at least as important, if not more important, than, than uh, taking something seriously. If, if laughter can help you heal, laughter can help you raise your energy up to where you can start to move forward instead of being stuck on what's already happened, ah, then it's a whole different ballgame. So I understand when, when people misinterpret my laughter sometimes as, I'm I'm being what do they call it uh, frivolous, you know, mm-hmm. or, or uh, I'm trivializing something that's really serious until they get to know me, and until I also sometimes have to communicate to them, ah, this is my laughter. When I see that they completely are not understanding, that oh, I'm actually amused about this. And it doesn't mean I'm ignoring it, neglecting, taking care of myself or anything like that, or doing what's necessary to not only stay alive, but be healthy, strong, and everything else. Ah, this is part of healing. Because I know that on a vibration level, unless we get ourselves to the vibration of amusement, that's the lowest. That's not the ultimate goal is to laugh. No. Don't make goal, don't make laughing, laughing a goal. No. Start laughing. And then you'll start to see, oh, then you can find what your goal really is. Because it's not until you start to come up to this vibration of laughter, amusement, humor, you know, even at least just being at that basic level of 
being happy with yourself regardless of what's going on in your life, then not only part of that healing is you start to be able to access your own innate inner spirit creativity. And it's when you access that the power of your creativity is that when you are able to create anything, the, the impossible becomes possible. Or even the improbable becomes probable, right? And, and then anything easier than that, ah, then it's a lot faster. The healing process goes a lot faster. It doesn't move on a serious energy level. So laughing doesn't mean you have to disregard and and be in denial about what you need to do or what has to happen. No. Or neglect taking care of yourself or others. So one of the things I put in with with laughing, with, with having amusement, is having compassion. True amusement comes from a very compassionate space. It's, it's a loving laughter. That, that's what uh, Raphael was talking about with little kids. Their laughter is pure because it comes from their heart. It comes from their loving nature, who they really are. And yes, just like uh, I experience as an adult sometimes, <laughs> kids often run into adults misinterpreting their laughter uh, sometimes, yes, kids could be very cruel uh, and, and maliciously so. They, they can pick on their classmates. They could, you know, laughter could be a form of bullying. And like Raphael was mentioning a little bit, it's, it's laughing at people to humiliate them and disrespect them and everything else. So there's a lot of pain on that type of invalidation that's also cause, cause, called laughing, you know. So people then who have had those types of experiences, they hear laughter and immediately misinterpret it as, you know, you're laughing at, at me. me. Yeah. yeah. But one of the things, like Raphael was saying about when she saw my condition in the ER and, and how somber the, the energy was so low in that ER that she knew it was not conducive to my healing and well-being. So she, she wanted to, everybody to raise up their vibration. But, of course, these are all medical professionals she's talking to. And as far as they're concerned, you know, what's wrong with his wife? <laughs> it's like, does she want to get rid of him? She does, doesn't she know the seriousness of the situation? You know, like that. So they're doing it out of respect and out of, uh, out of professionalism and care. But when you're in situations where you know it would be helpful if the people you're with, the people you're around, lightened up a bit. You know, they don't have to be laughing out loud, but they need to be in a, at least a little bit more amusement, not so serious, because then that will help whatever the situation is, the healing, the person, whatever it is. And so, so then... Uh, in those situations, what brings out laughter or a little bit, even a tiny bit of amusement out of a person who's in great pain or who's being very serious out of respect or something like that is your laughter. 
and not even out loud laughing, but in even inner amusement. When you're genuinely amused, when you can see the truth and that truth sets you free, that what appears to be isn't the real truth. It looks bad, but what's the real truth? Ah, and you see that and you lighten up. And when you're light in, in pure in heart, undivided within you, then the people around you can start to match your energy. They're going to naturally gravitate towards your energy and it lightens them up. But if you try to get them to laugh, generally they're going to clam up even more. Yeah, They're going to look at you like the enemy and you, the threat and whatever, crazy. Ah, But if you're even secretly within yourself, lighthearted and taking things in a little bit of humor like Raphael did, that helps everything else around you and everyone else around you to start to match you because everybody, nobody wants to be unhappy. So they're going to start to naturally, even unconsciously, gravitate toward the happier, lighter vibration. All right? So, so that's, that's, uh, that's a thing that's so important. Uh, I, I try to teach my teaching students, you know, the, the, the stu- advanced students who are themselves teachers and, and learning to step up their teaching they have to they have to learn to be amused in themselves rather than trying to get the students to to laugh or be in amusement more so they can learn more no if to the degree that they are in joy and and, and amusement and laughter and seeing things the way they really are then they can take everything else with a grain of salt and lightly yeah, it's like being a clairvoyant at a funeral and you see that soul is totally joyful and everybody is crying and you're. it would be very inappropriate for you to laugh out loud if you see that spirit. But to be able to have that joy and share it with everyone in spite of no one else being able to see that soul right there. Because, you know, we all attend our own funerals. Well... We're at the end of our show today. What a funny note to end it on. Thank you so much for joining us. We're delighted and grateful that we could spend this time with you each week so we can wake, so we can all wake up more to live the miracle of our soul life here on earth. Be sure to join us next Wednesday for Let It Be, the miracle of sharing your joy in kindness and compassion, especially when you find yourself in times of trouble. Does your inner spirit guidance come to you speaking words of wisdom as the Beatles sang in their worldwide hit song, Let It Be? What does letting things be have what does letting things be have to do with miracles happening by sharing your joy and kindness and compassion? Tune in and find out. Remember, too, we'll be teaching our next teleclass, Your Chakras and Your Creative Expression Energy Work for Tuning Up Your Chakras on Saturday, July 23rd from 10 a.m. to noon Pacific Time. Check our website or call our office at 530-926-2650. Speak with our new assistant, Debbie, for details or to sign up. Until then, be inspired, use your imagination, and follow your intuition joyfully. This is Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll see you next week.
We appreciate your joining us today. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura can be heard live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again next week, remember to wake up to who you are. It's your purpose here on Earth.